Welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me, as always, are... Well, we're in a different order. Dan. I'm Ward. Mike. And Steve. Today's episode brought to you by at least 25% more Nurgle. So, what have you guys been working on this week? Pass. <laughs> so no, spend, no, 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 really. Spend, what you no, no, you're out of order. <laughs> okay, I'm out of order. Ward. Oh, we gotta go in order. Okay. I could have my sarcastic attempt at doing terrain before we go on to Ward. The Spartan Scenics not having instructions enraged me. So, oh, yeah, Saturday, so pass. Saturday night. It's cool looking train, but lack of instructions, definitely a problem. Who was right? Who was yeah, right? Yeah, Mike, you definitely hit the nail on the head there. Instructions are a problem. <laughs> but it looks cool. Moving on. Uh, I did hey, work on some train. Did you finish that Space Marine yet? Should you, hey, I'm <laughs> it's out of order. That, that, let me talk. Yeah. <laughs> let me talk. But I want to know now too. All right, hang on. Let me start. I've I've basically put my fingers on a lot of things. Oh, oh. vaguely sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I thought you would like that. Uh, <laughs> but I have been working on some terrain as well. Nice. Uh, it's been slow at work the last couple days, so I have been cleaning the fuck out of buildings. Nice. Lots of buildings. GW buildings. Oh yeah. So oh. lots of wall sections. Uh, I have like two cities of death boxes. The floors all cleaned. Like that's a I'm lot like, of floors. Immaculate. So, the best part about immaculate. that is I'm totally gonna make you paint them with a sponge, so it won't matter that you clean them. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sad. Uh, I have been working on some war machine stuff. Yay! Tom is excited, so I've been doing a little bit of airbrushing on that. Uh, I have, have you been... finished the model. No, I've been working on a batch so, of fifty points. In... Shut... Hey, I'm not done. Okay. Uh, I have been painting a little bit of yellow. That's on a space marine? That's for you. Did you paint it on a building? No. Yeah! I painted paint it on a model. Yeah, uh, okay. I'm happy and then I have that been... model done? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, and then I have been assembling some merc- mercenaries. Okay, so, Ward, mm-hmm. to summarize, mm-hmm. you half did some Kador. Yep. You cleaned some buildings. Yep. You assembled some mercenaries. Yep. You put yellow on something space marine related. Yep. If you dedicated all of that time to one of those projects, do you think you could have had a finished model? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> at least he's honest we're not, about we're it. Not, we're not kidding ourselves. So, Mike, shame us all. What have you been working on? Uh, just a lot of uh, Super Dungeon Explorer uh, and oh. Zombie Side, actually. Nice. That's yeah. different. They yeah. look great. I no, saw the photos yeah. on our Facebook page. Yeah. There we go. Shameless there go. plug. Yeah, see, shameless. But, uh, you know, I got tired of painting all my drop zone stuff because nobody else oh, was painting it. Mike. Sorry, what was that, Steve? Uh, sorry, I'm what? sorry. Trevor I'm painted sorry. his. You should play with Trevor. Yeah, Trevor's good. Trevor and paints his models. Trevor wants a demo. Yeah, I, I, I do. It's just getting to Trevor. We'll set up a play date. Yeah. Play date. We'll, we'll drop you off. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, what did you get done for Super Dungeon Explorer? Oh, geez, I got um, Von Wilder and Von Wilder. I don't know. <laughs> I like one, one's the, 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 the man form, one's the werewolf form. I like so that. That, that's funny. So that's what it is. And then uh, a couple of the other, um, the uh, cleric, I got the angel done now, and uh, I think that's it. Cool. I, I think Mike should run a game for us, and then we do a review. 
Ooh, I, I'd play a Super Dragon. I think you should talk louder. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was for Ward. That was for Ward. <laughs> sorry, sorry, something got caught in my throat. And I've been trying to get <laughs> you to play that for oh, like Oh, man. Months. That's going to lead into the title of this episode. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that better. Oh, my. Uh, yes. Okay. Anyway, yes. But yes. I, th- I think we should do a group of yes. the five of us all play. And Absolutely. And you can try to kill us all. Can five players play it? Yep. Simultaneously? Seven players can play it simultaneously. Take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I got nothing. We can't we can't broadcast this on the Ocho though if it's only seven players. No, no one's gonna get okay. that dodgeball reference. Yes, okay. I, I, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, just, it just, I just didn't yeah. think it was funny. Yeah, it was just really weak. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> what have you been doing? Yeah, Steve, what? Uh, I've been in Mexico. Oh no, that no, was no. For the that's last not hobby related. So. Hey, we've already podcast. we've already established that you can paint models on an airplane, yes. so you have no excuse. Oh, really? Yeah. When Dave Roland, Dave, Dave Roland, paint his Apache word for painting on dystopian wars on a plane. What? That's yeah. intense, huh? Yeah, you got no nothing. way. No excuse. And none. We Ward and I worked with a guy who painted Tyranids on his honeymoon in Hawaii. Yeah. Well, that's a bad idea. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, no. The real question is, are they still together? The, the, as far <laughs> as I know, the kick. The kicker is, he got her to paint as well. Ooh, mm-hmm. nice. It's a that is uh, not going to happen in your lifetime. Never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. No, I actually did get a model finished the week before I left. I finished up a Carnifex, so that's good. Still got a base him, but model's Sweet. done. Uh, I'm still not sure what I'm going to do for bases. Yeah, right. How's your drop zone doing? Oh, come on, you know. They're not done anywhere. Yeah. Mike, thank, thank you for giving him some shots. I, yeah. <laughs> I need some help here. Yeah, I know. The drop zone's got to change, but uh, I... Didn't I mean, you uh, promise me you would... Uh... Yes, but I also want to get my stuff done for LDO, because I'm still... Yeah. I don't want to take my Eldar, because everybody's going to play Eldar. I want to take my Tyranids. But we'll see. Okay. So my promise meant nothing to you, is what you're saying? Nothing. Okay. There's nothing at all. <laughs> don't play with your candy. I'm trying to pour it quietly. <laughs> Tom, what do you work on? Uh, well, I built a handful of foreground buildings, uh, which were amazing to assemble because they have perfectly detailed instructions. Which ones did you get? I got some more of the French colonial cabins. So they're going to work great for Bayou for uh, a Gremlin's Mountain. Very romantic. Awesome. Yeah. I want to buy the Bar Tavern Hotel. And I've been uh, painting some more resers, but I don't get to keep those. So, oh. <laughs> Sad for you. Yes. So, moving on, because that summarizes what we've done. Uh, who are you going to tell to shut up and take your money, Dan? Oh, man. Um, I think it is yet another shut up and take my pre-order, where um, <laughs> book three of The End Times is going to be coming out, and I need to get my quick Twitch reflexes ready so I can actually get my order on time to get a hardcover to match my other ones. So, yeah. Elves. What? It's elves? Okay. Elves. Yeah, elves are next. And really? Possibly, Malekith. maybe no models, maybe no models yet. That's what I heard, but too. But Mal- old Malekith is on the White Dwarf cover, so people are like, where's the new models, guys? Yeah, I was I was told that Malekith is going to be a thing, so I'll be upset if he isn't. Or the other thing that people have been tossing around is Kane. Yeah, well, Kane would make more sense, because they don't have a model for it yet. But everything and they well, he's do... also a god. That's kind of. Eh. They do seem like they might be going to a similar flap direction to the Eldar, where like shards of Kane will be on the battlefield. Like it might not be Kane; it might be like an a avatar. Catan or an Avatar or something like that. So shards, Silly. shards, shards of Kane. <laughs> Moving on, board. Uh, since the last episode, I have been really looking at tabletop world and 
they're gonna get a bunch of my money at the beginning of next year yeah if we should have arranged like a commission system because between <laughs> you and john wong there's probably like a thousand dollars that's going to be going to tabletop world after we did the episode and that's just two people yeah so a birthday present <laughs> to myself the game plan is uh i will be ordering one of everything <laughs> Except I the, missed except last the, episode the three. Are they just a terrain company? Oh yeah, yeah. They basically and you're going do to town. They do super like the high super high detail, like forge world level, like luxury item terrain. Mm. It is all fantasy terrain. It is all amazing, and it's like fifty pounds or sorry, fifty euros for a lot of the products. So Ward, cool. what so, game are you gonna play it with? That's what I was asking. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking it would it would possibly fit with war, war machine. machine. Yeah, it's gonna strap some like scrap metal on there somewhere. The only downside is that War Machine doesn't play very well with super large pieces of scenery. They're not that big. No? No, the, 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 the coaching in is pretty huge, but some of the other ones are reasonably small. So. Oh, okay. That's cool. Mike, <laughs> what do you, um, you need to spend all your money on? Actually, it's I'm getting a bunch of stuff from um, Cool Mini or Not for the uh, Super Dungeon Explorer. It's, yeah... Oh, I have to give that money. To yeah, you, it's I? the it's the characters and the, some of the mini bosses. And fuck you too, Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's it for me right now. I'm going to spend all my money on the fleshy ball sack of death. I'm going to pick up... No, the uh, cancerous fleshy ball sack I'm of I'm going to pick up a Tyrannocyte and put a Turbicon in there. I'm super excited that, to That's have... a thing? You can put a Turbicon in there? What, oh, yeah. What's it called? But a Turbicon's bigger. Tyrannosack? Tyrannosack. I think it should be called a Tyrannosack now. Have you seen how big they are? No. <laughs> They're bigger than a Turbicon. <laughs> well... Uh, <laughs> okay. What did I miss? I missed something. I'm a little you slow today. I'm so tired. You said it. You said it. <laughs> okay. Well, well we don't it. have a rewind button. I'll have to life, listen to that so. later and laugh at what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'm I'm super excited for a drop pod for Turbogon. It's gonna be good. And I kind of stumbled across the Batman miniature game. Ooh, yes. Those Batman. models are fucking gorgeous. It is. Okay. It's a Batman miniature game done by night a super miniatures? high night miniatures. Yeah, and they kind of on the same level of quality for the sculpts is like I don't know if you're familiar with Andrea miniatures or yes. any of those other kind of more one-off fig, super detailed, more for diorama yeah. style. I'm pretty sure it's not 25 mil. It's 30, 35. 35. Okay, 35 I it was 35 or 40. So they're a little bit bigger, but yeah. you get more detail that way. And but yeah, they've they're... got Penguin's crew, like Penguin and his crew. They've got Joker and his crew. They've got Whoa. Bane and his crew. Razzle that is literally the crew. last thing I thought you were ever going to say is the Batman miniature game. <laughs> but okay, cool. I've, I've seen miniatures for it and they look awesome. I yeah, kind of yeah. want us to do something in the new year with the Batman miniature game. Oh, I hate Batman though. How can you hate you Batman? Can be, you, can you guys be can all have the Batman, and I'll get Joker. Iron Man. It'll be fine. We'll do there's, a crossover. There's more yeah. things. There, there's actually not. You just can be Batman. the villains or anything. Like I kind of like the Penguin the best, personally. <laughs> How can you not like Batman? <laughs> I, I okay, superhero let, movies. Let's, let, let's put it this. Way. Do they have Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I might do that. Well, that's Marvel. Yeah, so. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, they no, do, but Marvel. Marvel. They they do have Marvel, Marvel, but it's I think they're they just miniatures. I think it's just game. the models, not the game system. So, because you know me, I, I don't I don't like superhero movies, anyways. So, but then you could just be Gordon and the Gotham PD and beat the crap out of oh, all the goofies. Can you? Although well, I, I kind of like that. Although actually. it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not OC Commissioner Gordon though. So you don't no. get to get into no, fist fights oh, in high no. school. No, it's Gary Oldman. What you said? It's basically it's Gary Oldman. It's sculpted to look like Gary Oldman. I I okay, I have I have a Batman tie-in. Did you know in the original Batman movie, uh, Detective Bullock is actually Porkins. The actor that plays Porkins is huh. Detective Bullock that gets shot. Yep. Can he hold it? 
<laughs> Let's rewatch the movie and find out. Shall we? Oh man. Okay, so the main topic for today is going to be looking at painting rotting flesh. Uh, because we had a bunch of Nurgle releases come out, it kind of ties into the Tyranids if you want to be a little more sickly. I've been painting a shit ton of Rezzers. Dark Eldar. Yeah, Dark Eldar with the homunculi yep. and the racks and stuff. For There's sure. a lot of fleshy, gross flesh lately. Yeah, so we're going to just try and figure out ways to give you some general fleshy tips. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. The tips. Well, yeah, just we don't want to give you too much. Uh, don't <laughs> overwhelm you. <laughs> no, this is going to be an okay. introductory. Okay. Moving on, we should probably talk about how to paint flesh. Wait, yeah. Yeah. Are, we, are we telling them how to experiment? <laughs> yeah. With painting flesh. With yeah, painting, with painting flesh. flesh. Okay, all right. Using okay, thin so. glazes. Remember to always add in the lubricant. Okay. Uh, now we're starting to stretch things a little. <laughs> yeah, this is over. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we knew this was going to go Okay, so for those at home, we're just choked on the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm good. Okay. Uh, so let's start off with some general flesh tips. <laughs> Jesus! Stop saying it! Skin tone, skin tone helper facts. <laughs> let's go with that. Okay, so if you're gonna paint some skin tone, where do you start? Uh, it's like, in my mind, it's a lot like any other color. You gotta start with your base, work up through the highlights. One of the things with, uh, flesh, though, is I find washes can sometimes actually, uh, be a little bit in the opposite direction of what you're looking for. It can add too much contrast to flesh. That's why you always got to make sure. You, you, I mean, for me, I always make sure it's thinned down when you do your wash on flesh because it's like you said. If you put it on raw, it's gonna it's gonna do too much. <laughs> put it on raw. Yeah. Okay, guys. Oh, wow. This is really ridiculous. Man, we it, knew this was gonna happen. It is ridiculous. Right. Keep it together. I, I agree. No. If you if you put a wash over top of a flesh tone, it can overpower it really quickly. Very quickly. It's all light colors. Yeah, I think flesh is. Flesh is a lot more of a subtle painting than like armor or some of the other areas that have a lot of stark edge highlights. Mm. You want lots of gradual blends. You want smooth transitions. So definitely doing like multiple thin layers of flesh um, for washes and highlights yep. is probably the better way to go so you don't end up with those really stark edges where you don't want them. So one of the things about that transition is I find picking out your actual paint colors is way more important with... Uh, um, with flesh tones because you need to make sure that the tonal progression is in the same shade. Does that make sense? Like, if you go with, like, uh, a dwarf flesh to an elven flesh, you're going to be okay. But if you get one of those, like, more um, muddy tones, yeah, it with, looks yeah. so weird. With, with a lot of the paint ranges expanding, instead of just having those two or three flesh colors, like, there's, you know, there's, like, Beastman-themed flesh colors, yeah. there's the human, there's the Talarns, there's, like... You know, the dwarves, the elves, like, in the Citadel range, there's a lot more variety than there used to be. And, yeah, some of the colors do go together um, a lot better than others. Um, luckily, a lot of them, like, you can tell by the names which ones they're thematically linked together. Mm. And they usually give you that smoother yeah. progression and stay within the same area of the palette. GW is good for that, too, because they give you your base and then the two layers usually are sort of in the same name scheme. I really like the GW fleshes lately. Yeah, like they have their Rackarth flesh and the Paladin Wish the flesh and stuff like that. Like, which they is, do they do tend to theme them together, which makes it really convenient. Which I'm going to come back to when we start talking about rotting flesh. So I think for me, one of the things that probably took the longest to figure out, but has been the most beneficial, is that I actually highlight flesh a lot less than other colors, especially in some of the larger surface areas, because there shouldn't be as much textural difference between an elbow and Unless wrist. you have a terrible skin you mean, disease. You mean color variation, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. but even, there's no depth, really. Like, if you, 
You don't get the same as you would with fabric. Unless you're like ripped like a Katachan. Yeah, but even then, it looks super weird if you're doing too much of a transition. And the other thing is that, like, if you're doing arms or feet or legs, do a little bit of shading, maybe a couple highlights. But on the faces and maybe the fingers is where you're going to take the progression up to its kind of more completion. Kind of on the noses, the tips of chins, the eyebrows, yeah. that kind well, of thing. Those, yeah, those, the, the points focal of points, right? Yeah, yeah, points of interest. Anything like the face is is a it's a focal point. Like people are going to look at that, so you probably want to add a little more highlight there. But it's not. It's also the closest to the light. Well, it's not even that. It's also the fact that you just if you look at someone's body, you're not going to get the same definition. Well, I look at bodies their, all the time on their chest or their arms as you will on their face. So why would you be highlighting it as much? I don't know if like, you've why seen my should shirt the tip off. of an I have elbow a lot of definition. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's just—it's red. We're painting flesh, Steve. <laughs> um, I am burnt pretty badly right now. <laughs> but that's something to keep in mind, at least from my experience, anyways. Yeah, I think I think that ties into the same point of you know you want your subtlety mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's uh, you don't have the sharp edges and corners. You have nice smooth rounded areas. I mean, yeah, you might have a little bit of a pointy nose or an elf ear or something that has a sharp edge. But yeah, I think subtlety is definitely the way to go. And um, that kind of ties into one of my tips for uh, fleshy painting. <laughs> I didn't say fleshy tips. I avoided it. Oh, no, you just but, did. But uh, no, <laughs> totally counts. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> for painting skin, what I like to do a lot of time is rather than starting with the base color and working up through the highlights, um, a lot of times I actually start with the mid-tone again. And then you can do a little bit of washing in with... Um, just really thin down versions of your darker skin tones. Okay. So you can do washes by just thinning your regular paints. And uh, you can really gradually build up the shadows that way. Mm-hmm. And that way, because some of the skin tones don't have the best coverage, you're avoiding some of those issues by, um, you know, building your solid base coat and then just doing the washes. So you're not, I don't know, to me, it seems to avoid some of that exactly streakiness yep. of um, the lack of coverage. So. And I also find doing that particular style you're able to get a more organic looking skin tone because it's really hard to predict where you're going to want it to be five stages of highlightings from now. But if you're starting with what's going to be kind of the majority area and shading yeah. backwards, you get a much more natural looking skin tone. Yeah, and you're not you're also not building up as many layers of paint over the same area, so you're not clumping up and like clogging the details of the face or anything like that as well. Yeah. Not but obstructing the pores on the forehead with too much paint. You exactly. Don't, you don't want to go pancake face. That's terrible. That's brought. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but what do you guys think about airbrushing uh, skin? On Giants, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's probably a little bit too difficult of a technique to do on most figures. Like, if they just have maybe, like, a forearm and a hand or something available, it it can be a little tricky just because there'd be so much overspray and it would impact the so other So let's areas. say you're doing an ogre that has a lot of yeah, if you Yeah, if you're doing an ogre or a model that is very, like, like 50% flesh or something, especially if it's, like, a shirtless guy, like an ogre, um, where you can have that really easily defined line of just, you know, painting the pants or the waistband afterwards, I think that'd be a good way to lay down your, you know, your base coats and your little zenithal highlights and stuff like that, and then... You could pick out a little bit of washing and highlighting after the fact. I think that would be a good uh, time saver. Yeah, zenithal highlights on on skin actually I think works really well provided you have a large enough area to make that worthwhile to not brush on. And you go back and do the washing to really add yeah, the detail. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And okay. so I think now I, that we've I, laid the foundational... Oh, sorry, Ward. I also just want to say like if you're airbrushing too, I mean the worst case scenario is like getting a solid 
because of like how light flesh typically is when you're especially painting. over black basically yeah yeah right I think the airbrushing to get like a solid tone I think it would still be beneficial like if you're painting up a huge unit of marauders or, or like dwarf slayers or something like that. <clears throat> yeah exactly right so for sure and like you're saying I think Dan we want to keep this a little shorter because we're not actually going to try and talk about healthy skin we're yeah we were just laying dead parts laying the foundation of some of the basic flesh uh, tips. <laughs> I can't help it. It's too funny. I was trying to find a shaft joke in there somewhere. It just uh-huh. didn't work. But, uh, yeah, so we wanted to lay the foundations for how to paint regular skin before moving on to the dead skin. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the interesting things to keep in mind, too, with um, zombie flesh or rotting flesh, whatever you want to call it, is that there is a bit of a spectrum involved for... Mm-hmm. There's, you know, guys that are a little bit sickly. There's, you know, zombies of like, recently killed people. Or you could have, like, the Walking Dead zombies where they've been shambling around for several years. They're falling apart. Yeah, they're falling apart. They're basically just gray leather with black dried blood on them. So there's there's definitely a big spectrum there. So we're going to get a little morbid here. Uh, (laughs) And one of the things that I think you need to decide on is what kind of stage of decay you're going to be in. Absolutely. And... There's a lot of different stages of decay, and I think one of the more easy ways of doing things is sort of doing your traditional flesh tones, and then going straight into washes, and washes of disturbing colors. Like, you know what I mean? Like your sewer water washes and that kind of thing. That's the easiest way. Um, That or, you know, if you were going to do your basic progression of like dwarf into elf flesh, and then maybe mixing in some bleach bone for highlights, mixing in some rotting flesh... For highlights, yeah, give it a little more pallid tone. Um, before, you, so when you you get a little bit of that off white, especially with a bit of a green hue for the final highlights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then do the washes. Oh, for sure. And that way, it's not going to be like it'll it'll work all the way across, and that's not too hard. To no, switch no, color. no, for sure. And I think you're entirely right with that bleach bone or Ricarth uh, flesh is the way to go for your final highlight. If you're thinking about a zombie type, um, fresh zombie, we'll call them skin. Uh, one of the products that I do want to point out here, if anybody hasn't uh, heard of it, is the Secret Weapon Sewer Water Wash. It is like that disgusting brownish, green, yellow, gross tone. That one or baby poop. Baby poop's good too, but it's yep. a little more yellowy, which is. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that the other day, and I did almost. I had like the exact same reaction as Steve. <laughs> I couldn't believe they actually named the paint like that. Yeah, well, it looks. <laughs> Although we should, it's appropriate, we should be desensitized after snot green and rotting flesh and leprous brown. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. So for Baby some reason, poop. that's not as bad. Baby <laughs> poop is just. Uh, it's a little more direct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that sewer water wash is the one that I would recommend for sort of that initial. It's a little bit shiny, which is kind of nice because if you don't varnish your model after, you'll be left immediately with that like kind of glistening, gross tone. Um, but I don't think it's the best way to do rotting flesh. I'm sure you guys have better ways of doing it too. than moving straight through your, uh, dwarfed elf flesh progression. Um, well, I've been doing a lot of more, um, lengthy deceased models. Yes. Which is what I was going to talk about. Um, <laughs> cause I want to talk about my coven after this too. So what I've been doing for a lot of mine is I'll start with a mix of, uh, what is that? Trader Green and Thrall Flesh. Thrall Flesh is basically rotting flesh, but it's the P3 range. It's actually a really nice color to work with as well. It's got good coverage and just surprisingly good coverage. Yeah, it is. It is definitely one of the gems of their paint range for sure. So you start with that, and then I do some glazes. Uh, like I start with my traditional kind of brown black wash for the darkest, darkest recesses, or kind of around where there's going to be other details matching up with it, and then I do a purple and a teal glaze. 
and then reapply the base coat. So you get kind of like that little bit of richness, but also kind of like that bruising. Yeah, it looks yeah. like they've been hit by a baseball bat a few times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you basically reapply the base coat, highlight up through almost to white. But I would imagine that when you're doing that uh, reapply the base coat and that thin sort of highlight, you'd be doing a lot of glazing liquid in there or glazing no. medium. No, really? No, just feathering on. Oh, okay. Because I was going to imagine that it wouldn't show through. It would sort of hide all that detail you did before. Because those glazes, those purpley glazes in my mind, would be quite thin. No, no. It's almost more for building around the deeper recessed areas. Mm, like, and then after the gotcha. fact, okay. you can go back and do some thin glazes of the teal, the purple. The biggest one I find, and it's a little bit weird, is actually doing a red glaze at the very end. Because yeah. it takes a very unnatural looking tone and kind of almost gives it that rosy freshness back. That it mm, makes just what it you look, need in your dead models. But it makes it look more like flesh again, right? Yep. Whereas sure. if you just do like green to rotting flesh, it, it doesn't look like something that ever was alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I think the best example for that is like if you look at the artwork on the uh, GW zombies, where it looks like they just used like a green, a blue, and then they started like mixing in the colors for that, right? Yeah. It's it's unnatural like looking. It's not like a, a rotting corpse. Whereas I think it would be better if you started with a flesh tone and then mix slight variations of like a, a slight blue in there, a slight green. Uh, they're not starting off as a green or a blue model. So one of the things that before I talk about my uh, my covens, I know Mike with your dark Eldar, you have some really white flesh. No, no, mine's really dark flesh, but I have really white armor. models. I thought your skin tones were quite bright. No, 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 no. They're super dark. Oh, never mind then. (laughs) So, moving on to things that are actually moving on to yeah, not that. Um, (laughs) My homunculus coven actually went up. So you were talking about doing uh, doing sort of a green base tone, more of a greenish uh, dead flesh. I personally really like almost like a white translucent uh, dead flesh. (laughs) And the way I did my homunculus covens was basically starting at rakar flesh. And working up to white, but on the way through doing a bunch of glazes of your greens, your teals, your sewer waters, and you were the one that actually said, add some red in there. And it looks really good. So I think one of the things that uh, you guys should take away from this is uh, your dead flesh can really start at any tone as long as it works up through a progression of bruising. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that sounds really weird. Dead flesh definitely in a lot of ways looks better when it's not just a single color progression. Like if you have that patchiness, mm-hmm. that um, different areas of the model that having some of those slightly different hues to them, it really does bring out that sickly, like something is rotting and not, not right. good things are well, happening in there. Bad. It is, it really brings them to life in a paradoxical sort of a way. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> corpses, the entire body is not going to decompose at the same time. No, you've got organs sitting in certain yeah. areas that are going to do weird things. Yeah, so it would be really weird Ugh. for everything. This for conversation all, is unnerving. <laughs> for Just all the flesh bit. to be the same, right? Yeah. Um, uh, any other tips before we... Yes. Uh, okay. One of the things I always see in when people paint dead models is a liberal use of gore. And I think sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can go tremendously poorly. Uh, if you don't do your base tones and your flesh progression correctly and hide it with gore, it is obvious. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, I think. Uh, and it also depends on what the gore is and how the gore works. I think there's a tendency to go overboard, especially I, with zombies. I, I would agree. Like, a lot of people figure that I'm just going to mix a whole bunch of, like, 
reds and purples and browns together. And so like, they end up with like full on Tarantino anime level gore when they don't necessarily need to. Is that what we're? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here? And your your zombies, frankly, are are if they're bleeding that much and they're still dead, so, something is wrong. They should have already bled out long ago. I mean, if you really want to go, so if we're talking about some of the new Nurgle models where they have like their guts hanging out. Yeah. Uh, those don't look particularly fresh. One dude has a bell installed in his stomach. It's probably been there for a while. Yeah. Maybe not all the blood in the world. So one of the things that I do oftentimes is I don't put the blood on, always on the areas where it looks like they've been wounded, but like there's one punk zombie who's got a blade above his head and his mouth open. So I've got blood coming off the blade. Of course you Dripping down into his mouth and down his chest. Was there an option? Like, did you even have a thought there about doing something different? Because, because you shouldn't have. The really pale flesh, when combined with the ultimate blood wash, which is yep. half to me a smoke and half to me a red, yep. both clear colors, yep. will make... It looks like the most disgusting blood you've ever imagined. Yeah. The first one I like saw it was on a Forge World Great Unclean one, and I almost hurled. Yeah, it, it looks is, like viscera. On the palate, it looks like someone like slit their wrist and is imminently bleeding out and dying. But not like, only it just is, slit their wrist because it's not yeah, all red. It's with the with the <laughs> smoke in there. It's that like con- uh, slightly congealed. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's sat dark, there for an hour. The best part it's internal, is that it does totally actually congeal too. on the palate. If you let it sit for like two or three minutes, it will turn into stringy goo. And you can actually use that stringy goo to your. Oh, it's it's amazing. If you're going for disgusting, yeah. <laughs> and I think if you're going for a lot. Like um, a lot older decaying models, like you just mix in more of the black because, like dried yeah. congealed blood, it does turn that like almost brownish blackish color. Yeah, yep. for sure. So for sure, you can load it a lot more towards the smoke rather than the clear red. Yeah, and I guess my entire point about that was just there's a tendency to go overboard because once you start painting blood, it's fun because you're like, look at how bloody these <laughs> models are, and then you're done. You're like, my zombies crawled through a swimming pool of blood, and this makes no sense. But sometimes that's fun. It is. You're right, and everybody should try it once, but then maybe think about it. if you're going yeah. for like a yeah. presentation type standard. Maybe not, not all the time. And I think one of the things, t- the reason why I really like putting blood on a lot of the undead models that I do is because I do more of a green-hued flesh, the red blood complements perfectly with it without looking... It's one of the few times I've done the red-green combo without looking very Christmassy, where you still get both of those colors really coming through. So the yeah. contrast you get is amazing. That's Christmas a weird I was, I was, I was, I was going to actually bring up Christmas, but uh, you already did. So, okay. so on, my, on my coven models, they're almost white. Uh, very pallid white. And the blood that goes on those models goes actually on their blades, like on their surgical tools, and a little bit from the tubes that are coming from them, like tiny like puncture wounds. But they are... Because if you were to cover that white flesh in red, it would just... It would be overpowering. Way too overpowering. Yeah, I guess I do a little bit of a darker flesh, Mm -hmm. so... Totally different. Yeah. Question for your uh, coven there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would be like the darkest color that you would use to get your definition basically uh well the the actual paint would be rakar flesh mm-hmm. that would be as dark as it goes but then i use um a lot of washes to shade the recesses uh especially around like the armpits and areas that would be have a lot of blood flow and pooling in them uh so like backs of knees armpits uh around like the collarbone that kind of area um, I'll do sewer water, and that's as dark as it goes. And that's like a really light glaze. Um, almost exactly the same as the Great Horn Rat that I did. That's disgusting. <laughs> the, yeah, that model's name. gross. And that actually, yeah, that's a good point, too. Um, the Great Horned Rat, you actually did some freehand, like, veins and stuff, and that 
that does work really well on that translucent, very pallid skin color. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, so the veins are were actually super hard to do because uh, you have to basically pick out uh, your blues and reds and try and almost freehand the thinnest line possible because if you do them too thick, they don't look like veins. They just look like splotches. And I had to constantly paint over areas and go over and fix mistakes because the veins were... Why does he have a veiny scrotum? Because of course he has a veiny scrotum. Don't you? <laughs> he's the original cancer ball. Yeah. He's he's a pretty gross one. That's for sure. Um, Why are you yeah. staring at it so intently, though? Because I can't look away. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's the, like yeah. a car wreck. It is like a car wreck. That model is just awful. <laughs> so much fun to paint. But yeah, no, the, the veins, though, on that model are, were not done... Um, in obvious patches, like it isn't covered in veins, it's done in sort of like uh, where normal hu human, and I'm talking about a rat, I guess now, so it doesn't make a lot of sense, but like on the uh, side of the ribs and areas that would have like a little more exposed veins, uh, inner thigh, because you know, gross. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's how I did him. A back tricep, that's a good one on the tricep, eh? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's definitely one of those cases of less is more. Like you want it to yeah. be a very subtle accent and not to really draw too much attention away for sure. But yeah, but when you when people notice that on the model, it it catches their attention. Absolutely, right? that is so. one of those very cool details that will jump out at you if you get a good look at it. Yeah, and like and then that model as well. The blood effects were strictly on the teeth and a little bit in the like the warp stone that's hammered into and the model. A couple of gaping wounds. Well, he's got, like, around the warp stone. Like, it wasn't just on the actual Because uh, he's got a lot of flesh. scars and, yeah. like, the Skaven symbols etched into his skin and stuff, and they don't have the blood. It's... Yeah, because it would be it would be too much. Yeah, just, way too much. just the, yeah. like, weeping open sores. Yep. And the dark the dark eyes I also used pulled. Yeah, of course, because he's, he's got a chunk of warp stone hammered into his skull. I imagine that <laughs> well, would I meant that part. eye, not the damaged eye. <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. was actually a surprisingly this is great fun podcasting right here. <laughs> oh, I know. We're talking about a model that I. We'll have. take a picture right now. Yeah, it'll, it'll go up on the webpage. So, uh, but yeah, that's we'll how put I it in the show notes. notes. In the show notes, <laughs> yeah. the mythical show notes. <laughs> yeah, really they'll probably never actually <laughs> be show notes. But we'll keep talking about them. You'll have to yeah. send us like twenty dollars, and <laughs> you'll get. We'll ship you we'll the show notes. The show. We'll send you the pad of paper that Tom has. Worth <laughs> <laughs> <Complete>. every penny. <laughs> no refunds. Yeah, so that covers it for me for uh, painting disgusting, gross flesh. Mike, have you, you had any experience with painting zombie flesh? I know no, maybe not zombie risers. flesh, but it, <sighs> didn't you paint some punk zombies? I did do some zombies, but I went for the old. It's your skin's turning green and gray. Kind of look. So that's kind of exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So would you care to elaborate, sir? No, well, I don't know. It's 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 mostly mostly what everybody said by using those dark brownie or gray washes. It brings the whole skin tone down, and then you just bring it up from there. Uh, I don't know if anybody's mentioned though. How about infected flesh, or it's kind of close, or maybe you just dyed the fresh look. A lot of the times, you don't want to put any greens or grays you want reds in there to make it look puffy and uh red purple and infected pink. yeah yeah like, that, who, like, that's the way to go if it's yet, really sure. really fresh that's the way to go with those or, colors. or even when you have like a big boil yeah. somewheres <laughs> doing that right is actually a little more difficult than you think oh yeah painting stuff like that is very difficult i was thinking actually when you mentioned recently infected if you were doing like a a nurgle uh plague zombie army you'd have your cultists in there that may not be the ones that have turned yet or whatever and you want to paint them to look a little less like like they're dying like they're they're just sick 
You know, have yeah. a bad cold. <laughs> they're sick, they're not yet dying do. or dead. Exactly. Or undead. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think diseased flesh is very similar to dead flesh, where having a bunch of different patches of different glazes goes a long way. It may not, not be have... as r- green. I, I think... Well, it's more red, actually. Yeah, more red and, more and, red. and ivories I mean, could, and stuff like you that. You could use traditional flesh as an example, but I mean, like, even if you look at, like, a concrete pad, there's, like, patches of, like, colors in it, right? You'll see, like, little bits of green and pinks and such, depending on, like, what the concrete mix was when they actually poured it. So slight variations yep. just add a little bit to it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm done talking about dead rats and... And homunculus covens, and I'm kind of grossed out. If you guys have any more questions, feel free to send us a message or post on the Facebook page. Um, about. About. The about. Fl- about some more flesh tips. Don't ask us about dead bodies, because I feel uh, a little awkward right now. And we will not send you pics of flesh tips. I promise you that. That's for Snapchat. Forever. <laughs> or Tinder. <laughs> okay, moving on. I'm glad I'm not on. Moving on. Okay, so our next topic stems from the fact that War Machine has a death clock mechanic built into the game. Where what death clock is is that each player has a specific number of minutes for them to play the game, and between turns it switches back and forth between players. And if the scenario or the caster is not killed before the time runs out, whoever runs out of their time first is actually who's going to lose the game. It's like a chess clock on steroids. Yeah. It's yeah. a third way to win or lose your game, essentially. Exactly. Additionally, they also Or do... table flip. That's also a way to lose your game. Yeah. 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 Uh, rage quit. Or additionally, rage quit's always an option. they do have time turns where it'll end up being... The TO will call dice down at the end, but you will have a specific turn length that you have to complete your turn in. Otherwise, if you do not... Any models that have yet to activate, do not activate that turn. So... One of the nice things about this is that it really speeds up gameplay for War Machine. I know as a guy that plays a lot of War Machine, it's almost refreshing to play that game instead of other ones because the game just plays that much faster. For and sure. everyone that plays it plays really quickly as well. So this leads to the question of would it be beneficial for other game systems to maybe adopt a timed turns or a death clock format? My answer is yes, no. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Some of the time. Moving yeah. on to the next topic. <laughs> no, uh, I'll, I'll elaborate. The uh, I think there are game systems that would benefit from it for sure. Um, I can think of Drop Zone Commander. I think would be uh, not problematic at all. But then on the flip side of that, and I think you're probably going to talk about this, Dan, is I can't imagine X Wing working with it. Yeah, that that's definitely a game where I think um, it's a little bit more asymmetrical in how some of the squads are built. So it wouldn't necessarily. Be fair, like if you have again the classic examples would be something like, um, like a Falcon list versus a Tie Swarm. If you have two ships to move around every turn versus having eight, then <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> nice little side effects. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you if you have those asymmetric side um, lists, I mean, it could in some ways change the meta and mix things up a little bit. But like, just like Warhammer 40k, right? If you're if you're playing Space Marines or Eldar and you're playing against a guy that has Guard or Orcs. For sure, for sure. But I'm going to make one argument here with X-Wing is, does X-Wing have a set number of turns you play? No, it's X-Wing is is very much like you play to the time limit or until one side is wiped out. So I I would say that the vast majority of games um, will finish within the standard 70-75 minute time frame that most tournaments run in. And um, it's more some of the edge cases where 
if you have two lists that have way higher defense than offense, if that makes sense, like yeah. if they're lists like like the Tie Swarm versus the Tie Swarm, yeah, they have all those ships have low firepower and high agility, so they very much struggle to chip away at each other and do enough damage within the time frame. For sure. So, but in most cases, it's really not a problem, so I don't see it being super useful there. So the one question I have for you on that exact topic is, let's say there was a death clock or a time turn or something put in that would potentially hinder something like a tie swarm. Now, that's a build that's in place without time restrictions yep. beyond the, the full game length. Would it be a very negative thing for the game if some of those more swarm-oriented builds were taken out? Currently, one of the nice things about X-Wing is the tournament, the tournament meta right now is skewing a little bit towards um, more heavily towards turrets than it used to because of the, the Phantom and some of the other positional ships that um, mm. really struggle against that. So the game, it kind of already has a lot of these balancing mechanics in it where a swarm is a natural counter to the turret, which is a counter to the Phantom, where the Phantom is generally considered the counter to a swarm. So there's already that very elegant rock, paper, scissors kind of a matchup going on, and disrupting that could skew the game a lot more heavily into Millennium Falcon versus Millennium Falcon. Okay. And so I think right now the game does police itself really well in that um, those different play styles do have good and bad matchups. So it I think it would disrupt like an already healthy ecosystem. Or it could disrupt it into Falcon versus Outrider. Well, that's, that's possibly already <laughs> going to be a thing, but it's there's already a lot of people theorizing that. Because Wave 5, um, it's only two ships. It is the, the Decimator and um, the Outrider, so it's it's two more turret ships, one for each yeah. faction. So as people bust out the new shiny toys, we'll already be skewing a little bit more heavily. Yeah. And so to counter some of those, um, those turret-heavy ships, you might actually want to encourage the swarms a little bit more to keep the turrets so in check. So a time, time limit might actually hurt them. Yeah, I can even more so is what you're saying. Like if realistically, a lot of those lists with um, the swarms, they they want to use all of the time. Like they don't always finish all of their games. So restricting them to saying that the tie swarm only gets 35 of those 70 minutes, I think it unfairly punishes them. You know, word. So over, I mean, overall, I think X wing and Attack wing, uh, they've got built in mechanics. They've got like a tournament system that's pretty solid in place yeah i don't think i don't think time turns are needed for systems of that nature so let's talk about some systems that might yes so drop zone the reason i like it for having a uh a clock is because drop zone armies usually have similar number number of battle groups like you're not going to see a skew between uh you're not going to see a skew between eight to you know one battle group like you're going to see generally between five and eight let's say it's probably even more. It's probably between three and four, frankly. You could, but if you unskew it, sometimes you're screwing yourself. So, yeah, yeah they're, exactly. they're pretty even most of the time. Most of the time, you're going to have a similar number of activations a turn with similar number of models. Yes. There's not a crazy horde option there, which is why I like drop zone for uh, a timed clock because you get to do the same number of actions. And if you're slow playing, you're clearly, it's not because you have more models a lot of the time. And I agree with that. Like, uh, game systems where you... It's, it's activation dependent, I think would really benefit from a time turn format. So I think... It's time turn just, or death clock. Sorry, death clock. So I think drop zone commander being one. Uh, I think the Spartan games. Yes, both Spartan those, games. Dystopian Firestorm. Yeah. I think Dystopian both of those. But to be fair... Be a different mechanic. It, the, 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 
a lot of the times, if you're not familiar with the game system, that is what is slowing you down the most. But totally. that's a generalization. Okay. But this yes, is something we're talking about right? more for tournament play. But if you think about it, the tournament things that the, the games that don't need or have something that help mediate the time have been around long enough that everybody is now familiar or can be called a veteran. But still, when you fair, have the fair. when you have the beginners, you'll you'll notice the game is going a lot slower. Oh, Doesn't sure. matter what system you're going. I'm just saying these fine. systems are very since they're their turn or, or uh, activation dependent. You're gonna see really really slow times in the beginning, and you're not gonna pick up speed until you become almost a veteran. Yeah, and I was we were talking about that earlier with uh, before the show is that uh, dystopian wars has a lot going on when you're learning the system, but that's at the end of the day you are at a tournament. And you should be expected to know how to play to a reasonable degree. And I, I totally agree with you. I actually think that dystopian is an edge case for that. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind is that with War Machine, when guys are starting to play the game, they don't play with the clock. Because they don't even know what it is. They just play the game uh, with the rule book. They don't necessarily go to the steamroller. But, but, but because the tournament play encourages and enforces these time turns and the clocks, it is a point where for anyone that's deciding to go from the casual play for War Machine into a tournament format... They're going to have to get used to the time turns. And one of the issues right now with some of these other games is that there's nothing that's been enforcing it. So with the other not, games, yes. But so there's nothing that's encouraging players to play more quickly. But even if you're encouraging the player, it's going to take that player a while to get used to the time setups. I, I, okay? I, I agree. No. But the question... No, I understand what your question yeah, should be enforced. And, and so this, this is not a question that I really think beginners factor into because we're, we're targeting... Potentially higher level tournament play. Yes. So yeah, because I would think there there'd be so, obviously anytime there's a new game and a new player, but we'd hopefully want to move towards. Oh no, moving towards is fine, but also you've got to realize that you've got War Machine, which is what you're using, is been tournament play focused focused for a very long time, whereas a lot of these other games are just starting to get into it and are just starting to get unfolded towards it. So they're obviously not going to have the same experience. But you got to start somewhere. No, no, you do. But I'm saying they still got the, the leg up. They still have the time. Yeah. Right? It's just like taking somebody that's played a lot of 40K. If this guy has 10 years experience and he plays a lot of tournaments, he's going to be faster than the guy that plays once every two years. And it's with beer and pretzels. So I it's think one of the things we need, to, we need to sort of dis- make a distinguishment here is... Uh, a distinguishment. I just realized that. Yep. Distinction. I, I, distinction. I'm a little tired still, okay? <laughs> uh, is the beer and pretzels player that wants to have, you know, a four-hour game and enjoy sort of, you know, the social aspect of it is a very different thing than the guy that is playing a slow game for uh, competitive reasons. Yeah, and you don't want to talk about slow play entirely um, because usually that's not a, a big issue. I don't think I've seen it happen more than a couple of times in 10 years of gaming really or more. Yeah, but yeah. Playing playing like a casual game in your basement where it's one game at a time, versus playing in a tournament setting where you're playing three, four, five games in a day. Yeah, it's a very different setting. It's like not if fun. Casual, for the casual games. You know, you can play at whatever pace you're comfortable with, but in a tournament, there should be that reasonable tempo to make sure the game finishes to a reasonable it seems conclusion like in the time. Two has a bit of trouble getting past that sort of three turns type thing right now, and I don't know if that's our local scene having some issues with that's learning because the system. It was new, and then the new book came out, yeah. and it'd been out too yeah. soon for everybody to get used I to. I think, though, imposing some sort of timed uh, turn almost in that. I know we were talking about a death clock, but a timed turn for Dystopian would be good, because then you would actually maybe be able to play out. The only problem is it's not turn-based. 
That's true. That's right. It is. It's activation based. based. So if yeah, you yeah. were going to do it, it yeah. kind of has yeah. to be a death clock. No, you're totally right. It does. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, one of the things that I've thought about is you could have a turn-based death clock for some of these alternating activation games where you have this much time for your turn, you use the clock and alternate it back and forth between activations in that yeah, turn. Yeah, so you've got like a total of uh, 15 minutes and each activation might take two or three minutes kind of thing. Yeah, gotcha. or however that looks. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one of the reasons I really like time restrictions is that it reduces gamer fatigue. If you are, like, if your games are not going to full length, like the maximum minutes every round, your day at a tournament is a lot easier. And the tournament organizers aren't scrambling to get all of the results coded in in the 10 minutes between rounds either. Like if you're finishing in a more timely fashion, then you're having a little bit more of a break to stretch your legs. You're having a little bit more time for the TO to enter all the results and get the pairings ready. That uh, that's See, that's a tough one. Because I find that the games that I play that get drawn out and end up being so close ends up being some of the funnest games that I play. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then then there's that time that you're going to play that Orc Horde that you might be beating because it can't move around the board or whatever that isn't fun. Like, each one of their turns is taking 45 minutes and you're taking 10. It's true. And that sucks. I've had that happen to me and it's not fun. Like, it's just, you're not playing the same game. Especially if it gets to the point where you know you have to get more turns in to secure a victory, so you're rushing yourself to make up for the fact that your opponent is slow, and that's yeah. that you're introducing potentially more mistakes, more sloppy play on your own part, just to try and see you know your side of turn three before the game's over. That's yeah. not necessarily fun or fair either. So that brings me to the next point, is if a death clock for some of these systems isn't maybe the answer, one of the things that I think would be huge for a lot of these game systems is scenario. Uh, that forces more uh, quick play, that you need more turns to complete your objectives kind of thing. So just because you have a huge force that doesn't have to move and takes, a, or when it does move, takes forever and sits on objectives, forcing those those units to have to move quickly to get more turns in to complete those turn-based scoring, like War Machine actually does do somewhat. No, it does it 100%. Yeah. War Machine, there, well, the, there the difference between War Machine <laughs> turn-based scoring and 40k turn-based scoring is that once you hit your five points, you win. That's It's game. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It's a, it is a race to hit those five points, and you can't even late late game, like, he's at ten points, but I can maybe get 12 or 13. That's not a thing. It's as soon as they hit that point. So you got, you're playing... Sorry. See, but that's very different than 40K, because 40K, you might go, oh, I have eight points and he has 12, but if I can get two more turns, I might be able to catch him. Where, which is what makes up because you got a death clock. Forty K does, but and and that's the difference, right? Because forty K, it's just like, well, I I can try to like milk those two turns, and then you're gonna be playing for like longer. Where it's like like Tom was saying, like as soon as you hit the specific number of points that the scenario determines is is a victory, you're done, right? Yeah. So whereas like forty K, it's just like, well, I'm, it's it's like the baseball bat, right? Where you're always grabbing like one. Yeah, totally thing higher, yeah. right? To to see who wins. But a game like forty K does also have a finite number of turns. Yes. Whereas War Machine doesn't. That's true. Yeah. So that's where the difference kind of lies. Mm -hmm. uh, and as it stands right now, almost every game that I do play does have a finite number of turns. What do you think about Malifaux? Would that benefit from time turns? Or Death Clock? Uh, I honestly think the, the either the Death Clock or the modified turn Death Clock would work really well for Malifaux. Mm -hmm. uh, again, just because... The biggest thing for me is that it's almost more the the efficiency of your time that it enforces 
more than anything else. So if you're a guy that's used to playing with a clock, you're constantly thinking about what your next move is. Ahead of time. I, I, Whereas, yeah. if you're not used to playing with a clock, it's easy to get into the realm of, okay, now that it's my turn, let's think about what I'm going to do next. I, I, I agree with that from Dystopian, and I think you probably are too, yeah. well, uh, that we both, when we play, go, oh, he's made a move. Now it's time to figure out what's the best thing to do and activate. Instead and, of trying to anticipate the moves, you're reacting to them. And that's probably why we're so... Well, well, not were. You're probably way faster than me because I haven't played in forever. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. You painted some mall- oh, I guess you do have some I do have a painted fleet. I've actually only used it once. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know what I have to say yeah. to that? <laughs> um, well played. Yeah. No, uh, with Dystopian, if we had some sort of way of, of forcing turns, like, okay, even though both of you didn't finish all of your activations in turn two, it's turn three now. Like, that's the first step to sort of forcing that. And missing an activation on your Dreadnought or something like that would really reinforce that point like, of, holy crap. shit, I need to go faster. I, I should, <laughs> Or I should have activated that guy quicker in in my sequence, right? So. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, though, Mike. I'm not sure if it would work with Dystopian because it is, it's so different than Malifaux or well, yeah, I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I'm just saying it could help it, but I don't think that's the core of the problem. I think the core of the problem is people don't, no, this is one game where you really have to know the rules well yeah, for it, it to is go complex. F- to go quicker. Okay, so Ward, uh, just as a point of curiosity, with the games that you ran at Onslaught, mm-hmm. uh, what were the game systems that were pushing time more aggressively? 40k was the one that basically stretched out, I think, to like the ends of of the time limit, where I was like saying, like, I don't want to mention any names, otherwise I might embarrass Steve. But he should wrap up his game. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, actually, I was... Uh, yeah. I think, I think he had one game like that, but... Uh, but um, 40K, though, I will say, was played at 1850 for a points level, which was huge for two-hour games. It's awesome. Oh, I, it's I love it. Yeah. That's usually 1850s played at two and a half, which is one of the things we talked about beforehand, but everybody wants to play 1850 because that's a tournament sauce. All, all I hear is excuses. No, I finished <laughs> all my games. I didn't have a problem finishing my games. Um, but... I played an army that's very small <laughs> for 1850. Like, I didn't have a lot of models. Uh, John Wong, if he had played his orc army, would have struggled. Instead of his Thunderwolf army? Yeah, <laughs> yeah his Thunderwolf. I have, like, eight models. Um, yeah. Game systems that didn't have any issues at all would be, like, X-Wing, Attack-Wing. Well, X- Attack-Wing, for sure, because nobody showed up. But, anyway, <laughs> uh, X-wing, but, but yeah. X-Wing didn't have any problems at all with time. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the fact that it's, like, timed... Uh, you don't have like a lot of models uh, anyway to really activate. And you played 125 too. It's even bigger. 125, which yeah, yeah. was normally uh, a little bit bigger. So than was it 90 minute rounds? Average bear. 75. I think we still did 75. Really? I think we still did 75. Like it's X Wing. Because one of the things about X Wing too is when you add 25 points, most lists you're adding one ship or turning one small ship into yeah. a big ship. You're not getting another so it's, 30 orcs. It's not really making a big difference. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not plinking down another squad of cheap horde troops. You're dropping, like, one extra model yeah. on the table. And you're increasing the likelihood that you have one turn where you're taking more models off the board. Yeah, those opening turns, yeah, more damage sure. is being dealt, so shit is dying faster. It actually... X-Wing is one of those games where, to me anyway, unless you're playing, like, a three or a 400-point game, which is, like, vastly in excess of tournament size... The biggest difference is in setup time versus actual game time. Because once you start to get an advantage in the game, the, the game starts to snowball more quickly and conclude just as fast. That makes but sense. But the setup takes okay. a little bit longer. Yeah. So X-Wing, you can still play even 125 points in that 70, 75 minutes is really not a problem. 
the Sunday though, Spartan games did take a lot longer. Um, both Firestorm and Dystopian. Both Firestorm and Dystopian. So, so th- the reason I asked is that the Firestorm community, those guys have been playing this game since it came out. Mm-hmm. Like those guys, uh, most of them anyways. Part of it could be also the mechanics too, right? Like the, totally. ex- the exploding dice, you're re-rolling more dice yeah, here and totally. there, right? So And everything can shoot in every direction at anything. Like it's, it's a lot more options for things to do. This, this side is shooting here, this side is shooting here. It's also These guys are grouping here. Right, yeah. so I mean, like things, things of that nature. I think for that, <clears throat> but I mean, when it comes down to like doing like a death clock format, like you said, like it's it's activation by activation, so it's a lot harder to do. Yeah. Well, I, the death clock still works, so you can. Tap the death back. clock. The it's death the clock would work for that. Issue. The time time I still, turns. I don't think would work for it. I personally, still think dystopian. I don't. I can't speak for Firestorm because I've never played the game. But dystopian. The problem with it, though is the scenarios. I think if you had scenarios that were more in line with the Maelstrom missions or uh, War Machine type style of, of scoring every turn, but things I've, would change. No, no, no. Because you need to get to the next turn to score. I think that's absolutely true, but I mean, that's why we're basing it on like a War Machine format. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if things go to that nature, like, yeah, like maybe you have to have a patrol in this, this sector and have and you get everything cleared out. Yeah, yeah. right? So... Okay, so I think, are there any other games worth mentioning here? Or is that basically wrap that up? I think that covers that. Do you want to do a really quick battle rundown? Tech? How about Battletech? How oh, about yeah. Battletech? <laughs> I did, no. Apparently I didn't get sick of the topic yet because I haven't brought up Battletech to derail conversations. Because <laughs> I had one more thing to talk about on this topic. Okay, oh, before, before Battletech, because okay. Battletech is derailing. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the things to keep in mind is that once you put some kind of a time system in place, the players will inherently modify their lists to accommodate that. Do you think this could... We talked about it briefly in the terms of X-Wing, but do you think this would potentially be something that could happen in, let's say, a positive way for games like 40K, Fantasy, um, Dystopian, Firestorm, Malifaux, that kind of thing? So because I have a healthy love for 40K, I'm going to say... I'm going to start with that one, and I'm going to say, no, I don't think it'll be positive. I think it's going to hurt Horde lists. And Horde lists, in a lot of ways, are a neat um, counter to a lot of things that are really good, like a Grav Centurion spam list. Eat 180 orc boys with six plus armor. It's cool. I wound you on a six. It's I got yeah, this. It's 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 a great counter that a lot of people don't play because it's tough to finish games with an orc horde, and it's also be, because it's tough to complete a lot of those maelstrom missions when you have big units only move six units six inches a turn. Yeah, like I think in a tough. lot of ways the game is marginalizing hordes to begin with. Yeah. So punishing them again is not necessarily. However, helpful. getting slow played by a horde sucks. So I don't think that's. A good answer either, but I, I just don't know how to proceed with 40k. I think the scenarios do a lot to help. I don't know if a death clock in that case would be because, because I mean, for Onslaught, I took out the secondary objectives that I usually throw in, which was good because it would have taken more time. Good, good, and bad. You would have been thinking more. <laughs> there, there would have been, there would have been a, a better spread. Uh, but again, if I put implements in like War Machine, where it's just like once you hit this point, you you're the winner. And you get this level of victory, or you what would you. you would really focus listen to a heavy alpha strike format. Drop pods would be awesome. Drop have all the objectives on turn one. Game is over. Yeah, you, you unless know. unless I'm choosing the objectives, and then you don't know what they are until day. Of. Well, to be fair, uh, War Machine doesn't start scoring till the end of the second player second turn. Oh, right. drop on list could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a heavy counter assault list like those 180 orc boys, you'd be like, wee. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Mike, you've played the most drop zone out of any of us. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think? I think the I think the the, the death clock would work. Okay, I don't. I think the turn based one would foul up things, but I think the death clock would help players realize and manage their time better because I think that's what the biggest problem with the activation is is players managing in their time. Yeah, and you need and, to incentivize it. Yeah, somehow. right. And and for that, I think yes, it would be a good idea. But the same thing. Anything out of a tournament, I think it's a bad idea to use a death clock in oh, agreed. those games. 100%. Oh, yeah, sure. Because okay. it would only be I, for like in a tournament or for tournament prep. But yeah. in the same respect, I also think it kind of kills the game a little bit if you yep. have to resort to a death clock. See, I like I like our when we play our games and we sit down and play drop zone, we yeah. have totally no forethought. At least I don't. Before you finish moving a battle group, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, now I need to think when it's my turn. And then we shoot the shit between yep. between turns. And it's fun. It's beer and pretzels. It takes us four hours to play a game of Drop Zone. I'm okay with that. Yeah, there's definitely a place for that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And that's, I am a huge advocate of that kind of game. But I, you know what? If I was to play in a tournament, I would have to shift my thinking. Because I yeah. don't play games that have that alternating activation. Yeah. And so the death clock, and and that's why these these systems they're just starting to like develop into a tournament format, like out of the basement. Like last year was the first year that it had the multi system, right? Yeah, and there's yeah. honestly I can only think of what maybe eight dystopian tournaments that have ever been run in Alberta, because the one a year and a half or two years ago in Calgary that was put on by Adam was mm-hmm. the first one ever. Yeah. And then we've run two since then, and you've run two since then. Yeah. And I think he ran one or two more. I think he's ran two total, because I think... Yeah. Or two I, or three. I, I thought it was only two, but I could be wrong. So two and a half. So then there's been six dystopian tournaments, period. Six point five. And I guess the reason why I think this topic is useful right now, especially for some of these other systems, excuse me, is that we haven't had any established tournaments with PAC yet. Because, I mean, you look at 40K. How many 40K tournaments have been run in Alberta in the last Well, yeah, and not only year. that, I mean, worldwide, there's sort of a... a I'm saying Alberta! There's an established format. And I don't know if there's an established format in Europe or somewhere else in the world that has dystopian going strong or whatever. I've looked and I haven't seen it. Yeah, and I mean, th- that's the biggest thing, though, in my mind, still is not dystopian or Firestorm or anybody needing a... Death clock is we need. They need scenarios. They well, need Firestorm actually scenarios. does have scenarios, and oh, so good. does so does uh, Drop Zone now. With Drop the Zone does, and yeah. Alpha yes. has amazing scenarios. Yeah. Drop Zone has actually a really good scenario system, but I I haven't played in a Drop Zone tournament, so I don't know. No, but the, that's what I'm five. saying. The new book is had there like such five thing more. as a Drop Zone tournament? We ran yes. one, <laughs> and we're running actually, another yes, one in, in uh, January yeah, actually with has more a than with more than four players. Yes, he actually has a package. Gotta start somewhere, Dan. Now I'm just uh, trolling. Yeah, he's trolling. <laughs> I'm getting ready to bust our, out the battle. Our first Infinity, Infinity tournament had four players, and our second one had nearly 20. That's so. true. That's true. That's a, that's a massive Infi- Yeah, Infinity's growing. Actually, speaking um, of which, Infinity. So no here one here it? plays death Infinity, but I'm going to say they need a death call. I'm, I'm actually I'm picking up the next set of rules. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Someone should disagree with me yeah. because Seven. we have to... Fuck you. There you go. There you go. Because uh, I have no idea what I'm we'll, talking about. We'll, we'll get back to that, so we'll talk to... Okay some players and stuff. Yeah, I've played a demo game of Infinity and that's it. Like, I still don't... I couldn't tell you really any of the rules. You're like the Einstein of the group then. How about Relic Knights? How about AVP? And all the games we don't know. Well, well, AVP get... doesn't I what, what, what about Batman what, the miniature game should have a death clock. What, a, what about Super <laughs> Dungeon Explorer? Would that benefit? 
Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, we're totally off. How about Monopoly? Like that's kind of where this starts. What about Actually, Monopoly totally could benefit. <laughs> Has anybody ever here finished a complete game of Monopoly in a reasonable time frame? Oh wait, no. you said reasonable. No. <laughs> you want to know why? Free free parking is not. You get all the money in the center. And people playing that that's way house rule. increases the length it. of the game exponentially. Yeah, because everyone it. has money all the time. That's a problem. Only if you land on free parking. Which we should have <laughs> an, a Hobby Night in Canada review of Monopoly. <laughs> the full episode. <laughs> April 1st. The, the top hat is OP. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that fucking iron. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're right into Battletech now, I think. Yeah, yeah Battletech. I think okay. that wraps that. that one up. Is that moving forward... It'll be interesting to see how some of these actually play out from a competitive standpoint for some of these other games. I'd love to I, see some of the new tournament packs get a death clock. I'd love to see Dystopian happen. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to take a piece of Mythbusters and say it's plausible. Yep. For some <laughs> I, for some oh. systems. I, I think like I'm going to try like running a, sometime moving forward, I'm going to try running a Malifaux event with a clock. Um, and we'll see how that goes. And we'll or, get back to or you. E- or even just like the five of us. Let's play some dystopian or firestorm and let's play dystopian. Did five of us actually all play any games at the same time? We all have dystopian. dystopian. No, I gave up on you because you were supposed to play me a game. That was part of the deal. It's true. I still haven't seen this game. I still haven't finished those models. So yeah. So I I think we should all play dystopian at some point because it's the only game system we all have, which is ridiculous that that's the game. Can I bring my battle tech? We all have. You can bring your battle tech. We all have forty k. Not all of us are happy about playing. No, no. I'm officially done forty k. I could pretend. You still have models. I could pretend my battle. Tech, them all. I could pretend my BattleTech don't models are FSA stupid robots. Oh, oh my god! I just blew my own mind. <laughs> that the boy wonder robot. I've got, I've got jump jets. No. I got this. Oh, oh, oh! I'm excited. Also, part of like what I did hobby this week is I started building some BattleTech. Yay! No way! Yay! <laughs> is this happening? <laughs> just them. I'm correcting them. Cool models. They don't tell us about it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, care. they don't tell us before they order them, and then we're stuck and you with know a really shitty computer. You guys one. are also, in all fairness, not remotely interested. I don't I give a shit. shit. <laughs> multiple times, but then you played a game. That was a pro- <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the deal breaker. Am I one of the only guys here that actually play a game of BattleTech in the last? 10 years? Oh, in the last 10 years. 10 I years, played, yes. I, I played Battletech. You go back 15, 20, that will be talking different. Yeah, it's basically just incredibly convoluted war machine. It's fantastic. I played a lot of yep, Battletech. Okay, we're off the rails. My okay. job is complete. Derail. Is that <laughs> all you derail. want is derail with Battletech? I love derailing things with Battletech. <laughs> we, we should probably finish every episode derailing with Battletech from now yes. on. Tradition. <laughs> okay, we'll so I feel like we should... Maybe not necessarily apologize to a certain someone from the last episode that we may have made fun of a lot, but at least give them a little bit of recognition. Uh, Barnaby? Luke? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) We were maybe a little hard on the guy for losing parts of models down the drain. No, that was you, actually. We just kind of giggled after you said it. But I was. (laughs) I'm going to make you be harsh on him again because I didn't hear about this. I wasn't there. Okay, so quick backstory. <laughs> oh, so he gets we a got replay. some resin models, and as you know, with resin models, you wash them off before you assemble them. Oh no, he puts them down the drain. Yeah, he just <laughs> did it in the sink. That's so, awful. So, that aside, one of the things that Luke did in a positive way is that he did, in fact, take some of our tips from painting metallics and did a great job on one of his Trollkin models. Nice. So, awesome. I want to say, so now good I job have... listening. Now I have <laughs> and painting. I have now some terrible images of the Vulcan model that's coming. 
having like an arm go down the drain and he just <laughs> crying, <laughs> crying profusely. I was I was gonna say uh, I noticed somebody that was selling some uh, arena models. So I mean, there's there's another option for Luke if he needs it. No, he got them from the company. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, he, nice of them. He messaged them with being fully honest. Well, we're talking about this twice now. This is great. This was meant to be like a I'm sorry, good job Luke. for like putting effort in. No, I definitely drag him through the mud. I don't. Again. I can see myself doing that though. Holy shit, that's actually terrifying. Okay, so Luke, <laughs> instead of the props for the nicely painted models, which officially you hit right now, props. Uh, you are now a PSA for people like Steve that would have done the same dumb shit anyways. G.I. Joe! So you take those worms. The, the more you know. It's like the War Amps commercials where it's like the kid that fell into a tractor teaching you how to play safe for football. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I can put my arm back no, on, no. but you can't. My, oh, that is, that is terrible. My arm fell terrible. in the drain, so now I can't build it. But you can. All right, you... Perry Twin. Okay, oh, okay. guys, guys. Well, this is this has oh. been a rough episode. A rough episode. Okay, so upcoming events. Uh, Christmas. Christmas. Yep. Uh, I should put out there that <laughs> registration is now open for Out of the Basement. So you can send an email to Out of the Basement Gaming at hotmail.com uh, to register. And yeah. At hotmail.com because it's still 1995 and GeoCity is all up in here. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it was made a long time ago and it's yes. never been changed. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's the next actually upcoming event that I can uh, think of that's going on. Winter War? Uh, it's Winter War, isn't it? No, Winter One of these War days we'll season. actually look into this stuff ahead of time. It'll be we assumed Christmas. Oh, I, I'm running an event on Saturday, but by the time this airs, it'll have been done for a few it, hours. It'll be on Saturday. Or days, depending on how bad it yeah, feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I'm lazy and don't post it on time. <laughs> Which is understandable. Um, I guess one last thing is I would like to make a shout out to some of the Alberta boys. Um, some of the grots from Red Deer went down to War Machine Weekend, and there's a cup they have, uh, down in the States, where if your team wins, you, <laughs> dude, just, don't even, the look I get from Dan when I start this story is ridiculous, but no, it's, at, they have it at tournaments, whoever gets the most points from, combined from various events, takes the cup back, and they run an event of their own, that then the winners from that can take the Mayhem Cup back to their city, and it goes all over the place. Uh, this is the first Canadian time, or the first time a Canadian team's ever won. Nice. So That's the, awesome. So the Grots have brought it up to Alberta, and so a bunch of the Americans... Are never going to get it back. <laughs> that That's the rumor, yeah. <laughs> well, they're planning on running their tournament in April, so the roads might not be terrible. It's like invading Russia in winter. Oh, Just don't yeah, do it. There's yeah. this, there's don't this invade the... Canadian war machine tournaments in winter. It's a bad plan. <laughs> or if you do, wear the correct plan. uniform. That's not... A Hugo Boss designed uh, piece of fabric. I wasn't yeah. sure if you're going to go with like a Napoleon or a World War II thing. Either. So it sounds <laughs> like GrotzCon is going to be have the Mayhem Cup at it. So I encourage all War Machine players. That's crazy. That's to awesome. To set up teams for your local stores or as your friends and keep it in in Canada because that would be hilarious. Because then might... we could run it. It's my goal to send a team down and then run it at our January tournament the following year, <laughs> so that we have to bring the Americans up in January. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they would die because we already have, and they they were saying that we're the milder region of Canada because we're we're next door to Vancouver, so our weather's nice. False. Yes, next, do next door. <laughs> Americans in geography, hilarious. Now I'm not sure if they were trolling False. us or not, but that's what they said that the weather in Edmonton is in, in or Alberta is mild because it's close to Vancouver. Yeah, it's right next to Vancouver. It's true that we're not in Alert Bay, 
So that's cool, but <laughs> it's still pretty cold. <laughs> uh, other things that I know of, tournament champions, uh, they've got their winter event, and then they'll have a February event, uh, usually. So Do we have dates or information? Uh, On the internets. We'll put it up. It'll be in we'll the show notes. Show notes. <laughs> show notes. <laughs> show notes. Uh, but May, May Day's uh, confirmed this year for the 2nd of May. Yep. So I've been asked to run a game, but I kind of want to play games. You should play War Machine with me. That's what I'm thinking. That's a long way out. We're talking about me now. That's well, I'm just helping. I'm giving ideas, but it's a it's a big event. You do realize you'll have to paint models, right? Hiyo. Okay. <laughs> no, it's War Machine. You probably won't. <laughs> I kind of want to play. I want to get my conversions done now to keep it in Canada, but I will not know what I'm doing. So yeah, you won't be helping luck. the cause there. Maybe. No, no, no. Get the way run it works, interference. If you get, if you get everyone that points. plays. You, you accumulate points from your standings. So I just have... I get you'll get some points. You'll if get you're there points. and on our team, and if you can win a game, you'll probably get us some points. Yes. Okay. Good luck to that. draw a small child that is blind, and I'll probably be okay. The old, <laughs> don't worry. I totally set your death clock over to my time. We got this. Wow. I'll, let you, I'll let you know what's going on. Uh, I think that's the only way I'd have a chance with War Machine, because I am not skilled. Anywho. Any parting shots, boys? Nope. I'm bad at War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Ward needs to paint his models. Yes. Yeah, Ward. Yeah, apparently, I'm the Dan. only one. I like how Dan, Dan knows that when he says he did nothing, we're going to berate him, so he just passed and avoided all the flack until right now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Ward, I, next week, <laughs> a Space Marine. One. Not, not, not I'm, a whole I'm bunch, in the middle of one. buying a house. I, oh, I don't know. Oh, and then you're going to be having a kid. Yeah. But you can. You oh, can... <laughs> speaking of which, if everything goes go according to plan, I'm playing in out of the basement, and then the Monday right after, I move into my new place. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so With I'm... your new space marines. Well, my plan, <laughs> my, my plan is not to unpack my car after the tournament, and then this I can stop. Episode's never gonna end. <laughs> okay, let's sign off. Okay, well, I guess we're in pause. I was looking at the time, damn it. I don't care. I'm so tired. Okay, well, this has been a delightfully derailed episode of Hobby Day in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. I'm Mike. And I'm Steve. And paint your fucking models and play in an expedient fashion. With Battletech. <laughs>